There are uh, all kinds of funny stories about kids and the lyrics of gospel songs that they have misheard. For example, there's one I heard about the kid who just loved to sing that old classic gospel song, Bringing in the cheese, bringing in the cheese. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the cheese. And then, of course, there's also the classic misheard lyric in Jesus Loves Me, that they are wheat, but He is straw. And then probably my favorite, I actually stumbled across this one on the internet uh, just this past week. I love the song that says, Are you sowing the seed of the king, dumb brother, or the harvest time is coming on? There's lots of illustrations like that of kids not hearing the songs of our hymns exactly right. And as a result, they end up developing some mental images that don't precisely match up with what the words and what the author intended to say in the song. In fact, I'm actually wondering how many of you were like me when I was a kid that always wondered why we have a song in our hymn book about Ebenezer Scrooge. Tell me I'm not the only person who ever wondered that. What are we doing with this? Did Charles Dickens write a hymn? What in the world is going on? Well, what is that song talking about that uses that line, Here I raise my Ebenezer? Why does that song use that particular phrase? Well, of course, those questions are the very reason, or at least one of the reasons, why we have these hymn studies on a monthly basis, so that we can sing not only with the Spirit, and this evening it has been very evident we have sung with the Spirit, at least that's what it has seemed like to me, but as equally important, We must also sing with the understanding. We need to grasp and understand the words that are coming out of our mouth as we sing these praises to God and as we encourage one another through these words. We want to understand this evening what that Ebenezer is all about. And the place that we would need to go to find out about the Ebenezer is in 1 Samuel, the 7th chapter. During this particular time in Israelite history, God's people had wandered away from Him. And as a result, the Philistine armies were continually oppressing them until finally Israel came to their senses. They cried out to the Lord for help. God heard their cry. And God promised that He would deliver them if they would remove all of the idols from their land and if they would simply just wholeheartedly return to Him and to Him alone. And the people agreed. God held up His end of the bargain. Because the next time that we read about the Philistines planning to invade and attack the Israelite armies is in 1 Samuel chapter 7 beginning in verse 10. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord, but the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. They were defeated before Israel. The men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below Beth Car. Just as he had promised, the Lord came through. The Lord protected Israel. And furthermore, the Lord enabled Israel to root out the Philistine armies and give them this great victory. All of that then leads to the verse that really we need to think about right now. It's verse 12. Because verse 12 says, Then Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shin. And he called its name... Ebenezer, for he said, till now the Lord has helped us. Ebenezer, 
Ebenezer was really not the name of a person, but it was the name of a stone. A stone that Samuel erected to serve as a monument. A monument that would honor God and would recognize God for His unfailing help. In fact, that quotation there, that is the meaning of Ebenezer. The Lord has helped us this far. That stone, that monument, the Ebenezer rock, it would serve as a perpetual reminder to Israel in much the same way that Joshua put those 12 stones from the Jordan River, that that would serve as a reminder. In the same way, this stone would serve as a reminder of God's help and God's mercy and God's care. And of course, the song that we have in our hymn books that makes use of the imagery of the Ebenezer stone is song number 420, O Thou Fount of Every Blessing. In fact, if you'd open up your song book, we'll look at the words of this song in just a moment. This song was written uh, a, a good time ago. It was written all the way back in 1758. And this song was actually written with the original title, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. In fact, some modern covers and renditions of this song still use that particular phrasing of it, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And the original writing of this song, it actually contained five stanzas instead of the three that we have today in our hymnal. This song, you should know, is somewhat, if not very, autobiographical of the man who wrote the song. A man by the name of Robert Robinson. Robertson had a very rough upbringing as a child. His father died when he was just nine years old. And his mother had a hard time trying to be able to control a rambunctious young boy at that age. At 14, she decided what she would do is she would send him to London to learn a trade. That he would learn the trade of barbering. Instead, when he made it to London, what he learned was how to be a hooligan. He learned to drink and he learned to run around with a rough crowd. For much of his teenage years, he involved himself in in the gang lifestyle of the English back streets of London. Wild, reckless, sinful, prodigal in every way. In fact, at the age of 17, he and many of his buddies, they thought that it would just be so funny to go down to the local tent revival meeting and they would stir up trouble and make fun of the preacher. That was their plan. What Robinson did not plan on was that the famous preacher George Whitfield would be preaching a sermon that night from the Gospel of Matthew that would just absolutely cut him to the heart. Robinson that evening, although he was cut to the heart, he did not respond to the invitation that night. But for nearly three years, that sermon haunted him. He thought about it over and over again until finally, in the winter of 1755, he became a believer in Christ. Three years later, at the age of 23, as he was preparing to preach a sermon, and yes, by this time he had decided what he wanted to do and what he wanted to make of his life was to be a preacher himself, Robert Robinson, in preparation for that sermon, sat down and penned the words to a poem that would coincide with the thoughts of his sermon that day. The poem was titled, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, that poem that later became the hymn that we have today, O Thou Fount of Every Blessing. For the next several years of Robert Robinson's life, he would actually continue working as a preacher, but he actually would bounce back and forth from different churches and different denominational beliefs. Robinson was seeking to find a better walk with the Lord, always finding errors and inconsistencies in the various churches that he associated himself with. 
he did have a lapse, and I'm going to get to that momentarily. But ultimately, he was known as a great preacher of the gospel until he died in his sleep in 1790. Now, as I said a moment ago, Robinson viewed this song as being very autobiographical of his own spiritual journey. All of the uses in this song, the uses of words like me and my and I and I'm, those were taken straight from Robinson's own feelings and own experiences as he went on his journey to try and serve the Lord. Let's actually just read the words to this song together here. Oh, thou fount of every blessing. Notice how the word fount is capitalized. I believe that's the idea of just referring to God as this fount. Oh, thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. They call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me. Teach me ever to adore thee. May I still thy goodness prove. While the hope of endless glory fills my heart with joy and love. Here, here I raise my Ebenezer. Because hither by thy help I have come. And I hope by thy good measure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when I was a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed His precious blood. Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter. Fetter is just a kind of a poetic way of talking about a chain. Chain me to you, Lord. Bind me to you. Bind my wandering heart to thee. Never let me wander from Thee. Never leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Take it and seal it. Seal it for Thy courts above. Now, that is a rich, rich hymn. And I know that this song is a favorite of many people. Just kind of as a quick aside, this song holds a very special place uh, in my heart and in my family's heart. And not necessarily so much because of the words of the song, but because of the tune uh, of this song. My mother would rock me and all three of my brothers to sleep at night using the the, the, the tune to this particular hymn. She would replace it with the words, Bio Baby, Bio Baby, Bio Baby. And now I carry on that tradition and I sing it to Hattie at night when we're rocking her to sleep. It's a wonderful tune, but what's even more wonderful than the tune are these wonderful words. And there is much that we could unpack from these three stanzas and we don't have the time to unpack all of it. There's so much emphasis in these verses about God's grace, God's mercy, and yes, God's help. There is even the acknowledgement in here of Robinson's own sin and understanding of his own shortcomings. That's important. There is as well reference to the work of Jesus there in the second stanza in particular. The work of Jesus in seeking those who are lost and rescuing those who are lost from danger. And then there's so much said here as well about the goodness of God and the various blessings of God being manifested in His life. There is, however, one theme in particular that I want to just draw our attention to for a moment. Did you notice just how many times Robinson acknowledges that he was prone to wander, to wander away from the Lord? Look at verse 2 again. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. Verse 3, Never let me wander from thee. Bind my wandering heart to thee. Robinson saw himself as a wanderer before he came to the Lord. And then in a rather ironic twist, Robinson would actually wander away from the Lord 
many years after writing this hymn. There is a well-attested story of Robinson riding one day on a stagecoach, and seated across from him was a young lady who had a hymn book, which in that day and time was oftentimes used as a kind of a devotional book. You'd read just the words of songs, and it would encourage you and strengthen you throughout the day. She was reading this hymn book, and she was totally engrossed in one hymn in particular. Can you guess what that hymn was? It was the hymn, O Thou Fount of Every Blessing. She actually began, as she sat there on the stage, she actually began to hum the tune to herself, which led to Robinson just kind of losing control of his emotions. He began to cry and he began to sob. He began to choke up hearing this lady sing this song that he had written so many years before. She noticed him. And so she asked, Sir, are you all right? Well, here, would you like to read the hymnal yourself? No, he said, and he pushed the book back into her lap. And she asked once again as he continued to cry, she asked, Sir, are you okay? Then with tears in his eyes, he replied, Madam, I am the poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago. And I would give a thousand worlds if I could enjoy the feelings that I had when I first wrote those words. A few moments passed. And the lady very gently and very sympathetically, she then pointed his attention to the first verse of the song, the second line of the first verse. She said, Sir, those streams of mercy, they're still flowing. Deeply touched by this woman's consideration and by her words, just by this chance encounter, Robinson soon after, he repented. He turned back to the Lord, convicted, if you can believe this, convicted by his very own song. The very song that he had written that inspired and encouraged so many others was the very instrument that was used to turn his own wandering heart back to God. Now I think about that idea of wandering. And just like Robinson, it is so very easy to wander. In fact, it's so easy, it takes no effort at all. You don't have to do anything in order to wander spiritually. Yet it is a most dangerous path to be on. It is very coincidental, providential. I would planned to do this for the hymn study today. But I had also planned to put this poem in the bulletin today. I hope you've already read it, but if you haven't, I'm going to read it for you again. Our very own in-house poet and author, Miss Sandy, she wrote a poem, and it's titled, To the Father's Erring Child. And it speaks to the dangers of wandering. Let me read it to you. It says, You are on a swinging bridge to damnation. You better watch your every step. There are loose and missing boards. Be warned before you fall into regret. Thrill is found just in the crossing. It seems fun to take a chance. But your course is wrecked with dangers that are unseen with just a glance. The view ahead invites you to come and see what's on this side. Yet the pitfalls there are many, and the chasm is deep and wide. Please turn back to God's safe ground, which is solid and steady and true. I'm afraid for your salvation, for it is Satan who's calling you. I tell you this with much love, for I know this trail too well. If I'd kept on like I was going, I'd have lost my soul to hell. 
The verse that's attached to the end of that poem, and it was a passage that Sandy chose to include with that, is from James, the fifth chapter, verses 19 and 20, where James says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders, wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Robinson in his song referred to himself as a wanderer before he had ever come to Christ. And then even in later parts of his life when he had left the Lord and became a wanderer once again. And so as we extend the invitation of Jesus Christ this evening, it's worth asking, are you wandering? Are you? You could be wandering in one, two ways. You could be wandering because you've never even found the Lord. Never come to Him in the first place. You've never surrendered to Him, submitted your will to His in baptism to become one of God's children. You can do that tonight. You can stop aimlessly wandering about, ultimately leading, ultimately leading to that destiny of hell. You put an end to that destiny tonight. You can begin serving the Lord and you can get on the road, the bridge that leads to heaven. It may be, though, as a brother or a sister in Christ, it may be that you are wandering. In fact, your presence here today, as we've worshipped together, it may be very deceiving for the rest of us. I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know what's going on in your life spiritually. But you do, and the Lord does. If there are things that need to be corrected, if there's a turnaround that needs to be taken place, then tonight's the night to take care of that. And so I'll conclude with what that young lady said to Robert Robinson on that stagecoach ride that fateful day. The streams of mercy, they're still flowing. That is the wonderful grace and mercy of God. Those streams are still flowing. The opportunity is still available to you right now to obey the gospel or to come back to the Lord in repentance and in prayer. If there's anyone here this evening who's subject to the invitation, won't you come right now? to the fount of many blessings. Do that while we stand and while we sing.